You've tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the Geek's Watch, for the Geeks and all the Geeks to come. Welcome back for another shift on the Geek's Watch. This week we're still talking about Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams uh, on Amazon. So, I don't know, we're, we're, st- we're still screwed up on, on episodes. <laughs> Uh, I think this is episode seven. This is episode seven. Okay, yeah. episode seven. Uh, but yeah, we'll get to that when we get to that. Let's talk about some uh, geek news first. First off, uh, I want to say I want to talk about I want to talk about Al Baldwin, Alec Baldwin. So this came out on Monday. I want to say Monday that Alec Baldwin was going to be cast was cast as Thomas Wayne in the Joker movie. Uh, the one that's going to be starring uh, Joaquin Phoenix and directed by Todd Phillips. Now, uh, Robert, Down- not Robert Downey Jr. I'm sorry, Robert De Niro has already signed on to play Mark or signed on to play a character. Mark Maron is signed on to play a character. Uh, oh, what's the dude? Um, he's in all of Todd Phillips' movies. He uh, was on Mad TV. That guy, that comedian, I, I I know his name, but he's he's kind of looks like Joe Rogan. That guy, uh, maybe a little bit, yeah. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, he's already signed on to play a character. Um, O'Callaghan, O or O'Callaghan, or something like that. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Anyways, two days after an, the big announcement that Alec Baldwin was going to be in this movie uh, as Thomas Wayne. He goes on to Good Morning America and says, "No, I'm not. I'm not in that movie." Now, I'm upset. I mean, I don't mind Alec Baldwin being in the movie. My biggest problem about this, about this, about what came out when this came up, was that the description of Thomas Wayne. So, I want to tell you this right now. If they if they keep with this Thomas Wayne character that they're going to be doing, the way they described it was uh, a young '80s Donald Trump. And obviously, you, I guess you go with Alec Baldwin because he's been doing his Donald Trump impression on SNL for the last two years. But he's not young, though. He's not young. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, I mean, if I already want to tell you this, this movie's going to, I think personally, this movie's going to suck. I don't think there's any redeeming part of that, this movie. Uh, I don't think it's going to be any good. And I don't see why it's got to be a Joker movie. Why not? Why couldn't Joaquin Phoenix just make this movie and not call it Joker? Because if you think about it, if there's going to be a heavily involved part of Thomas Wayne, or I mean, to the point where they're going to have Alec Baldwin play Thomas Wayne, how is that going to be anything to do with the Joker? The Joker becomes the Joker after Batman becomes the Batman. Like, you know, the Red Hood story gets he gets knocked into the the vat of acid after Batman's already become Bruce Wayne's already become Batman. So Thomas Wayne's already going to be dead for a very long time. 
Maybe they're going to reveal that Thomas Wayne actually had a hint of vigilanteism in him. <sighs> the other thing I've also heard <laughs> is that that maybe uh, he was screwing around on, on Martha and like the Joker's mom had an affair with Thomas Wayne and the Joker's going to be an illegitimate son of Thomas Wayne also. Ugh. Yeah, yeah I, exactly. <laughs> Ugh. Shoot me in the face now. Yeah. I mean, like it has it sounds like it has all the ingredients to be an interesting dark comedy crime story, but them also shoehorning it into a a Joker origin story is where they're definitely going wrong with this. Like, I just just let it let, let Joaquin Phoenix make whatever movie he wanted to make. Just don't call it Joker. Don't call it Joker. Don't put it in the Batman universe. I, I this probably movie I'd probably be okay with this movie if it was anything else if it was called something else. But or the fact it's not affiliated. Yeah, exactly. But now that it's affiliated with Batman and Joker, it's just like, well, now you're just shoehorning in a fucking story. It doesn't make any sense. I don't know. I'm I'm obviously very upset by this story, by this movie. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it doesn't sound promising as somebody that's not as invested into the what they're doing in the DC universe. Right. Like at this point, I'm just enjoying the dumpster fires. <laughs> but yeah, it doesn't sound appealing. It doesn't sound like it's gonna be so bad. It's good. Right. It just sounds like it's gonna be like a why. Yeah, I, I that's exactly where I'm at with this. So, uh, do you have any opinions on on a Donald Trump, Thomas Wayne, or Alec Baldwin being in the movie? I feel like they're only trying to capitalize on like the timing of it because it's like in our pop culture right now. But no, I don't see. I mean, a young Donald Trump, I imagine Biff from Back to the Future Part (laughs) Two. Like that's that's what I think of when I think of '80s Trump because I didn't really know Trump in the '80s. Like I know he was still a celebrity back then too. Yeah, and. You know, because there wasn't such a thing as Twitter, we weren't exposed to just how dumb he was, right? uh, Or is, but I. I don't think he's that compelling of a figure to want to like immortalize him as the inspiration for anyone other than a buffoon. Uh, yeah. So that uh, I I don't know. I, I, I apparently it's going to start filming here pretty soon. So uh, expect either a replacement for Alec Baldwin or or more storyline to come out here pretty soon. I would imagine they'd probably just remove that storyline if it's not even relevant. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Who knows how relevant it is? <laughs> I, I, at this point, I have no fucking clue. Because I guess, I think Zazie Beats has also been cast in the movie, and I don't know exactly who she's supposed to be playing. It, I don't know. Harley Quinn, maybe. Maybe his, his now, new love interest. This is the thing that interests me about this whole situation. We already have a Thomas Wayne in the DCEU that we currently have going. Right. So this sounds like an Elseworlds or other stories where this is completely unrelated at all. Oh, yeah. This isn't going to be related to the DCEU at all. So I really don't see... I mean, I could see if they were trying to still, like, universe build. But if this is completely unrelated, if this going to be, like, in the comics where this is a one-off, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's not really how the movies work. Because then it's going to be like, well, it's a it's a Batman movie. It features the Joker, but it has nothing to do with the movies that we've seen so far. But it's it's so it's not in continuity. It just seems confusing. Uh, why even bother? I feel like at some point someone from Warner Brothers is going to come out and be like, ah, we trolled you guys this whole time. We wasted all this money to play this giant prank on you like for this whole DCU and now Joker movie. Well, bravo if they managed to pull that one off. Right. <laughs> 
Uh, all right, next topic. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Have you been following this movie? I mean, this is Tarantino's newest movie that he's working on. It's kind of focused on... It's not focusing on, but like it's in Hollywood during the time of the Manson family murders. And uh, from what I understand, it's uh, what Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt's characters. Leonardo DiCaprio is a movie star. Brad Pitt is his uh, stunt double. And things are happening. Isn't that interesting that only in a Tarantino movie could the stuntman for the lead be the more attractive of the two? <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I I don't really have an inkling of attraction to either one of them. I guess what I'm saying is I'm more of a pit guy than you, a Leo guy. More yeah. really, okay, fair enough. Uh, but then again, I mean, Leo is the one that has the Oscar, right? So Ooh, touche. <laughs> Uh, but they have been doing a lot of casting as of late, and one of the newest casting is the actual act, the actor who's going to be who's going to be portraying Charles Manson. His name is right here, and it is Damon Harriman. I believe that's how you say his name. Now, yeah, do Her- I understand it correctly? Isn't he also cast as Manson in some other project? Yes. So over on Netflix, there's a TV show uh, or a series that was created and directed by um, David Fincher uh, called Mindhunter. It's about the birth of the uh, department in the FBI that, that um, profiles serial killers. And the first season is amazing. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but it's it's a really great show. Oh, and I have to check it out. This the two characters that created the um, division are going around before the division is even created or the department's even created. Like they're going around and interviewing all these death row inmates that are uh, serial killers. Or you know that's not even a word that they had yet. Like they literally come up with the word in the show. Like they're serial killers. Like they you know serialized killing and. Uh, Apparently, in season two, the same actor is going to be playing Charles Manson. So, uh, yes, it, Derry, I'm sorry, Damon Harriman, he was also in Justified. Uh, I don't know if you ever watched that TV show with um, Timothy Oliphant, uh, but he played a uh, neo Nazi screw up by the name of Dewey Crow in that. And uh, uh, he's a pretty good actor. He was, I also saw, I saw him on a TV show not too long ago with. Um, Josh DeShumel, where he was a, it was called Battle Creek, I think is what it was called, and they were, it was another crime procedural, and he played like a tech, one of the CSI techs or something like that. But uh, I'm interested. I mean, that's, I think that's very interesting that that he's playing Manson twice. I mean, does that kind of say something to you that people see you in a certain way? A little bit, but <laughs> I, I find that interesting because I want to see if he plays them differently. You know, that's true. What do you think about that? I mean. It, this is, I mean, obviously, if it's happening during the the Manson murders, I mean, it's going to be a lot different than after when he's going after he's been caught, which was what they'll probably do in Mindhunter. Yeah, I want to see maybe some like, so he should be like a very background character. I'm assuming because the Manson murders are kind of in the backdrop of what's happening in the story, right? From so, what I understand, so we'll just get glimpses and maybe we'll see like the beginnings where he was like super charismatic and hung out with the Beach Boys and and the Beatles and recorded an album and <laughs> yeah. everything. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, I would assume so. I mean, it sounds a lot like um, Summer of Sam. Did you ever watch that movie? Yeah, Spike Spike Lee's movie about the son of Sam Killer, but. But essentially more about the people living in New York at that time. Yeah, with John Leguizamo and John, yeah. Adrian Brody. And Marissa Torme, I believe, too, right? I believe so. Yeah. Or wasn't it Marissa 
Marissa Tomei is what you said? Or no, or, or Mir Savino. I think it's Mir Savino. Okay, my bad. Uh, yeah, so I, I, you know, once again, I'm. This is a Tarantino movie that I'm excited to see. So uh, I can't wait to find out. It sounds, it sounds like it's kind of going back to more like a Pulp Fiction kind of story where you got the multiple stories and the multiple people and all kind of their lives cross-secting and stuff like that as opposed to like Hateful Eight or Django. Yeah, maybe this will be, well, I mean, I was going to say this will be a comeback to really good storytelling that's low on the gore, but with Manson in the background, then we'll probably will still get some of that. might still get some gore, yeah. Uh, so Paramount went out and uh, kind of made some announcements about their release dates coming up in the next two years and one of the biggest surprises is that top gun maverick which has already started production is being pushed back to summer of 2020 instead of summer 2019 like they've the last couple weeks they've been doing a whole bunch of announcements of casting and uh getting the director and all kinds of stuff assuming that everybody assumed that they were going to start filming here within the next couple weeks but uh it looks like paramount pushed it back a couple uh pushed back a year now one of the rumors that's going around and i mean it's it's definitely just a rumor is that maybe it's because tom cruise took up that role as hal jordan that had been heavily rumored that he was going to be going after and you know warner brothers is like well we need to film this green lantern movie within the next year so you can't be doing top gun (laughs) well I mean, are they filming a Green Lantern movie, or is that so just like the rumor, though? Like, we don't even know for sure if that's in development. Well, it's definitely in development, because we know that Jeff John said that him he's writing it, and that he his production company is going to be uh, help making it. So, they're definitely making the movie. Wynn is still up up, in, up for grabs, or, or at speculation level. And the whole rumor of, of, of Tom Cruise is being in, had been in talks with uh, Warner Brothers to play the character was the one the big rumor about that was that he said that he would only do the movie if they didn't kill off Hal Jordan at the end of the movie because I guess the the script called for Hal Jordan to die. Oh, that's right. It was supposed to be like Training Day, right? That's the the idea. So, uh, I don't know. Do you do you put any credence to this? Uh, Tom Cruise is going to be doing Green Lantern. That's why Top Gun got pushed back, or well. Normally, for the studio to push a movie back that far, there had to be something really major that they just had no control over. And Tom Cruise deciding that he wants to do another movie would probably be one of those few things that could do that. True. I would assume that the Top Gun rights also are owned by Tom Cruise, just like the Mission Impossible rights. So, I mean, essentially, they're kind of like, well, I I mean, whatever you want. I mean, we have to do whatever it is you say since it's it's your movie kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean... I could see that happening. I just don't see his version of Hal Jordan being likable. I, I, I still stick by the fact that Hal Jordan's not a likable character in the first place. You're not supposed to like him. I, I guess so. And maybe that's where Hal, uh, Hal, uh, Ryan Reynolds went wrong as he was trying to be too likable, too likable, yeah. too affable. And he's, I mean, that's how he is. Right. But I can kind of see how like that didn't fit the character. Right. So, I mean, maybe that'll work. Maybe he, if he plays it like a total like douche, then... I, I think that's the way you're supposed to play Hal Jordan. <laughs> like, like I mean, that works for, I mean, I guess, I don't know. I don't know how to say it, but Robert Downey Jr. plays, you know, Tony Stark as a complete ass, but everybody kind of loves him for it. 
Yeah, it's it's odd. It's, that's what charisma does. Yeah, and I guess that's one of Tom Cruise's selling points. It I guess. really is. I mean, you can't you can't fault the man. The dude's been a box office draw for thirty years. Yeah. So this is true. Um, uh, what was the one thing I was gonna say? Uh, oh, I honestly think I think one of the reasons why Top Gun is getting moved back is because you know coming out from Mission Impossible, you hear that one of the things that how they make those movies is that Tom. Tom Cruise says, "Hey, I would like to do this stunt," and then they build out. They build out from there for their for that for those Mission Impossible movies. They work backwards to get to that point, right? <laughs> so they they kind of you know he's like, "Hey, I want to do a stunt where I'm hanging off the side of a fucking helicopter." How do we get to that point in the story? And then they build from there. So what if there's a stunt that he wants to do with an airplane, and they're like, "Well, you can only kind of really do that stunt at this point in in the year." And so that's why the production's going to have to wait till that point in the year. Yeah, maybe they have to save it like for the very end in case he like blows up or something. <laughs> maybe least, at least this way they still have like the majority of the movie in the can. And I mean, I mean, not even if it's it's him in the in the actual airplane doing the stunt. Like, I I have, I have no idea because I have no I know nothing about jet planes and and stuff like that. But like, what if it's like, you know, you can only do this certain type of role in the springtime because of the the climate and you know weather exceptions and stuff like that and well spring just passed so we have to wait till spring of 2019 to do that and then you have to add in the special effects and stuff like that so then they want it to make it a summer movie and well now you got 2022 so it'll be like in the aviator when uh when uh hugh uh howard 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 hughes yeah is like trying to film his movie about planes and he, they're like well we need clouds otherwise you have no frame of reference so they have to hire like a meteorologist and they could only film on certain days when the weather was right maybe maybe that's what it is uh or you know it's uh what was it the revenant with leonardo dicaprio you know he, they they spent so much time filming up co- where it was cold and then the weather started changing and they had to go further they had to go to the south pole at the end of the movie <laughs> to, to still be to in finish. the cold or something like that uh yeah, I mean, st- we're still bound to the physical natures of the so. Are we, though? Well, they, can't you just put yourself in a green room at this point and just, like, have anything you want? Yeah, but then you're not Oscar bait if you do that. I don't think I mean, Top Gun Maverick is going to be <laughs> up for any Oscars. We never know. I mean, uh, it's we had a Best Picture winner for Lord of the Rings at one point. Like, never saw that coming. I mean, it was the best picture winner, but like after three movies, it's essentially they just gave him the, the the Oscar because like here's your three movies put together and you you earn this. This could be a an epic, Tolkien okay. proportions. Okay, all right, we're done talking to you about that. <laughs> so, uh, Spawn, are you a big Spawn fan? Uh, I think I liked Spawn for a few months in the mid '90s. <laughs> well. Uh, you know, I think everybody ended up like in Spawn for a few months in the '90s, and then you know, certain people stayed on, uh, even through that terrible movie that happened with Michael Jai White, which I, I'm giving it a bad rap. It's not that bad. It was, of a movie. It was good for what it was. It was honestly, it's very '90s. Yeah. You know, Spawn is a very '90s character too. But uh, Tom McFarlane, who has now written his new Spawn movie script and is planning to direct it, had a major announcement this week. He got he secured Greg Nicotero and his uh, FX company KNBEFX to create 
and be the effects company for this, his new Spawn movie. So he's going to create the new look for this 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 Spawn. And it's being rated R, right? And it's going to be rated R. That means it's going to have some good, practical, gory effects. That's right. Uh, and we know that Jamie Foxx is supposed to be playing Spawn in this movie, or Al Simmons. And uh, Greg Nicotero, for those who, do, who might not know, is a somewhat famous uh, special effects artist in the movie TV biz. For the longest time, he has been the FX master for The Walking Dead. Uh, he's even moved on to being the director of a lot of the episodes of The Walking Dead. You know, a lot of horror movies are his uh, FX team and stuff like that. So He worked very closely with uh, Tarantino. He worked very closely with Tarantino after, what, starting with Kill Bill? I believe so, yeah. So, uh, I, I would expect you to expect to see a lot of that, more of that throughout uh, Spawn. We also, I think, I don't know if it's still true, but I remember hearing uh, way back that, you know, Spawn in this movie is supposed to be a very, uh, back not pa- background character, but a very secondary character uh, to the, the detectives of Sam and Twitch. Like they're, I think they're the ones that are supposed to be the the kind of the main thing, and Spawn is supposed to be more of a boogeyman character that comes in and shows his scary face and then goes out. He's like the shark in Jaws. He's supposed to be like the shark in and Jaws. We'll yeah, have, uh, the Brody and the other guy character will be the detectives, basically. I like that idea, that approach. That's kind of what they suggested a while ago uh, when the Halo, well, the very first Halo movie was being worked on. Um, there was some backlash on some of the forums I used to visit because they were explaining that the idea was since uh, Master Chief, although not a silent protagonist, isn't necessarily the most charismatic because he's very uh, matter-of-fact and uh, tactical, that it would be better to focus the movie on different characters and have him just kind of come in and out while he does his thing. And a lot of people couldn't understand why like that would have been better story-wise for a movie, a cinematic experience, as opposed to in a video game where you're controlling the silent protagonist and essentially he's you. And uh, I was like, no, that, that seems to work for something like that. I think that would have worked for something like that too. It I makes mean, more sense to me. Imagine having a movie you know, about Half-Life and you know the character Gordon Freeman is there but just never says anything to anyone. <laughs> and everyone just talks to him and tells him what he needs to do. Right. And he just does it. He's just like, it'd be like having a zombie or a robot on screen or something. It'd just be so weird. <laughs> hey, Disney's working on robots that they're going to be putting on screen. So It's true. He could play Gordon Freeman. There you go. <laughs> Uh, all right, so uh, did that make you excited for Greg Nicotero to be in the Spawn movie? Does this make you more excited for the Spawn movie? Uh, it makes me excited that they're going to go practical because I really hate when you watch movies now that have like digital blood. Really? Like, digital gore. It looks so fake. It looks like cartoon. Hmm. Like whenever they do effects, I, and I can't think of one right off the top of my head, but there's so many. Oh, um, yeah, there is. I want to say like... Um, but I think that's the problem is that you only real you only recognize cgi when it's bad cgi yeah even then though there's a few times where there's some really bad blood squibs Mm. where it just looks like a wound just spurts and it just looks i always thought that robert rodriguez does good digital blood like a lot of his i mean not a lot but i think he does a lot of digital blood too he did starting with like uh third mariachi movie uh, once, so once upon a time, time in mexico? mexico yeah i think that's where he really embraced the digital right for uh, effects and a lot of them look okay 
Um, but yeah, if, if you know about it, it's like it's hard to unsee it afterwards. Fair enough. Uh, Wesley Snipes. He came out in an interview with Vice uh, saying that he has been in talks with Marvel for two Blade projects. So I think I can say for two decades. Oh, for two decades. Well, <laughs> it's been a that, while. That is kind of he has been in for two decades because at one point he was supposed to be T'Challa. So the first uh, Blade came out in ninety nine, ninety six, ninety six. Whoa! I want to say ninety six, but I, I could be wrong. But uh, uh, yeah, it's been it's been a while. I mean, that would ninety nine would be two two decades ago. Yeah. Uh, so what I mean, how do you ninety eight? So. There you go. So we just hit the the twenty year anniversary of uh, Blade with uh, the first Marvel successful Marvel franchise, written by David S. Goyer and Ugh. directed by Stephen Norrington. And we're not going to get into a fight about David Goyer again. So just know that you're wrong. I have all my bullet points for David S. Goyer ready to go at a moment's notice. <laughs> uh, whatever. Anyways, uh, in Except his- today, Man of Steel. <laughs> <laughs> Man of Steel is a good movie. Anyways, uh, let's go to the. In his interview, he said that he is working on two Blade projects. That if it gets made, it will make the other previous Blade projects look like child's play. Now, I would say that just about everybody loves that original Blade. Yeah. Uh, I I enjoy the third Blade. I think that's a great movie, and the second Blade is good too. So. I mean, what I mean, what do you take? I think the only thing is that the Blade TV series that didn't have didn't involve him is the only thing that's bad. But and I don't think I ever even saw it, so I couldn't even. Was that who was in that one? So it was Sticky Fingers or Fingers, <laughs> the 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 rapper who played Blade in that movie in wow. that TV show, if I, if I remember co- correctly. Yeah, I don't even know. <laughs> the, the TV show versions of some of these movies, like Mark DeCascos as the Crow, was like Mark DeCascos as the Crow and Crow Stairway to Heaven was actually good. So don't even get off your high horse. Mark DeCascos is amazing. I like Mark DeCascos generally. He's a gift. That was <laughs> I'm sure his mother's very proud. Yeah, I'm sure she is too. Um, but yeah, what I, how do you feel about the, such a strong comment from Wesley Snipes? You know, Wesley Snipes is kind of known for his hyperbole. No. But I am excited for Blade to come back because, like you said, two-thirds of the Blade trilogy were excellent. How dare you? <laughs> and then the other is uh, the less we speak of, the better. But um, I. What is so bad about Blade Three? It is. It's just bad. It's I, not bad. I. You know what? You should just watch the honest trailer for it because it summarizes it so much better than I. You could. understand that the honest trailers for everything are always makes the movie sound bad. No, it does not. Yes, they actually they do. give props to the good movies. Uh, how dare you? Anyways, keep going. I just want to give a quick addendum to that. The uh, recent Deadpool 2 Honest Trailer actually had Ryan Reynolds come back and throw it back in their faces and do an Honest Trailer for Honest Trailers. <laughs> that was pretty good. That was a very meta role reversal, and I applaud Mr. Ryan for it. Oh, I mean, Ryan Reynolds is working hard to make sure that people understand that him and Blade are the same. So, uh, Or not Blade. Him and Deadpool <laughs> are the same. My bad. They're the same person. Well, I mean, according to what I've heard, you know, Wesley Snipes wish to be referred to only as blade during the production of blade trinity <laughs> that's fine he's a method actor he then going I mean, very method as a half human vampire that, hunter 
And, oh, and Daniel Day-Lewis making sure he only walked on one foot during my left foot the whole time is not method. Well, that, that actually was the definition of method acting. Exactly. Yes. So you can't sit there and be upset at Bla- at Wesley Snipes for doing the exact same thing with his career. Well, the difference, though, is that he was doing it based off of a real person. And that's how it would have been for the actual my left foot guy. So what? What does that have to do with anything? So Just like because if, it's a real person. So if somebody ever does a method acting version of the life of Wesley Snipes, they'll also stop paying their taxes in order to like <laughs> really be like him. I mean, if Wesley Snipes is doing the ver- real life version of his life, then yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or if if uh, Daniel Day Lewis is gonna be playing Wesley Snipes in the Wesley Snipes movie, then yes. It's like I'm I'm doing true to the character. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, I, I, I'm too just excited to see Blade come back in uh, the MCU w- in any way that it can. So now, my question to you, though, before we leave that one, what do you think he means by saying that the other two will be child's play? Like what? Could- Why do you say two? It's three. The other three <laughs> movies will be child's play. <laughs> I assume that he thinks that it, the way that he's probably talking to Marvel is like, hey, I want you to make a R-rated just like Logan or just like Deadpool kind of movie. So he thinks that there will be more blood. There will be. But the others were rated R also. I would assume so, but yeah. I'm just saying that. I mean, Hollywood's not smart. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what else they'll do. Maybe, maybe they'll they make it bring Greg Nicotero on board and uh, maybe do some physical effects. Oh, that's one of the movies that had really bad blood special effects. As a matter of fact, I mean, those are exaggerated <laughs> blood, though. It's vampires. They're turning to ash dust. I you know what and I've always hated that I hated that about that about Blade and Buffy that like there's no vampire corpses left over that's just so convenient that well, you kill I mean, them and they just disintegrate. I mean, what do you? Why do you want just hordes of bodies just lying around? I mean, it would make more sense for me if like they had to destroy the bodies. Like, oh, we need to burn this, otherwise, like the the vampire virus or whatever it is can come back to life or something. I mean, don't just have it conveniently destroy itself. Like, it's like, all right, we're done. My That's like, gone. you're like the people that complain that we didn't see those guys going to take a piss in the in the movie. Like, the, it, it spanned a whole 24 hours and they never used the bathroom. It's like, that's stuff that you don't need to show. It's just inconvenient crap. I mean, at least an explanation for it. They never even acknowledge why they just burst into dust or whatever. So, uh, what, the fact that a vampire bursts into flames when it, it gets hit by sunlight, is, you, you don't need an explanation for But Yes, this, that makes sense. The, 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 the healing holy rays of the sun. Holy rays of yes. the sun. I didn't know we had a follower of, of the god Ra here. Well, I mean, it's been a while. You know, it's, it's actually there, and you can confirm its existence. So I'm like, yeah, right on. Without it, we wouldn't be here. Uh, all right. We've taken the left turn. We have. <laughs> it's another podcast, I think. Uh, okay. How do you feel about Wiley Coyote? I really used to love the Roadrunner shorts. Um, I remember bonding with those with my grandpa, who was not an English speaker. And uh, the fact that this was excellent visual uh, storytelling and jokes was like a really good way to kind of bridge that language barrier. And mm. I, it was really fun. I like watching all of them violent, you know, 1940s cartoons back in the day in the reruns. Right. I, I don't yeah. like the newer version that they've done recently with the CGI, though. No? The 3D ones. Right, yeah, right. Like, I'm not a big fan of that style. 
Well, I, I don't know exactly how this movie is going to look, but uh, apparently we're going to be getting a movie called Coyote versus Acme. Uh, it sounds like he's going to be upset with Acme products and how they've always misfunctioned on him. Reminds you know, me, I think there's an SNL sketch, or maybe it's a In Living Color sketch where maybe it's In Living Color because I think it was uh, Jamie Fox who played <laughs> Wiley Coyote, and he's in court for. Uh, 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 going up against Acme because the products never work the way that he's they're supposed to for him. All right. Well, number one, I'm gonna have to look up that sketch now. Okay. And two, I actually kind of hope that that's what this is. It's like litigation. It's, <laughs> it's a litigation movie. Yeah, like a few good men, but with Wiley Coyote. So it's supposed to. Uh, Chris McKay is supposed to be producing the movie, not directing the movie. But yeah, a Wiley Coyote movie coming to Hollywood. I don't know how I feel about this. I don't remember. Was Wiley Coyote in uh, in Space Jam? Yes, and I believe he uses some Acme products to. I think he rides a rocket to dunk the uh, the, yeah, dunk the basketball right, at one yeah. point. And I know the Roadrunner was in there a couple of times, like zipping around. Of yeah. course he was. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Wiley Coyote getting his own movie and and not just like going up against the the Roadrunner. It's going to be Wiley Coyote versus Acme. I think it's interesting. I think that's at least interesting. Like an interesting take. You could literally, they could have just made the movie of, of stretching out a whole bunch of the the cartoons of you know Wiley e. Coyote going up, uh, trying to catch the Roadrunner and stuff. But instead, they're gonna go with Wiley e. Coyote. You know what I used to hate, kind of tangential, but still related to Warner Brother cartoon movies. Uh, in the I want to say it was the early to mid '80s, they released a couple of movies that were essentially only about 15 minutes of new animation, and then they just added in old. Uh, previously released episodes um, and it was supposed to all tie together to tell the story but they were really bad so like you mean like uh, Donald Duck Daffy Duck's Fantasy Island yes and uh, was it Daffy Duck's Ghost Quackers Quackers yeah Yeah. I liked those I, I liked them at first until I realized we were just being duped into watching essentially a clip show I mean I like clip shows. So what? Well, then I, you know, I guess you just can't buy good taste. But still. wow, <laughs> I didn't like clip shows because I felt like it was cheating. I was like, why couldn't you just make a movie about Daffy Duck and his friends hunting ghosts, as opposed to just making like a couple of minutes of new animation that didn't even match because it was made several decades after the fact, <laughs> and then just add in random episodes that had nothing to do with each other, and then just say, okay, we're telling a coherent story now. Like, at, as a kid, yeah, I didn't know any better. But now that I look back, I don't know, like, that was so lazy. That was just a cash-in. <laughs> it, 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 and yeah, it definitely is lazy. But I don't know. I, do you think that's what they're going to be doing with this? I don't think so. I doubt it because I don't think you can get away with, with showing those old uh, cartoons uh, like you can now. Or w- like you could then because of the violence. Yeah, that's another part too. Is like those those episodes were awesome back then because they were so cartoony and violent. But uh, we're so like coddled now that like no, this would like harm children and you know warp their fragile little minds. I don't know. I, I it's the same. Same with like the Tom and Jerry cartoons. You can't. You don't really get to see the old Tom and Jerry cartoons anymore. Oh, dude, I love those old Tom and Jerry. These see, and that's what it is. I love those old. Like they're not silent movie type things, but. The fact that they're just all through visual and musical gags, and they still are fantastic. 
like I could watch Tom and Jerry and Roadrunner all day. <laughs> when I'm like suffering from dementia in the old folks' home, I'll probably have reruns of those cartoons playing to I'll, remind me of my childhood. I'll make sure to bring you some some DVDs to Please watch. Please do. <laughs> all right, last story we want to talk about is essentially the the clashing of two giant fandoms. Star Wars and Doctor Who, because Matt Smith has been cast in Episode Nine of Star Wars. As who? We have no idea. Of yet. course not. You don't get to know shit about shit with Star Wars until it comes out now, because everything's got to be super fucking secret about those movies. Oh yeah, I gotta but tell I, you though. But I'm... one of the big rumors that's been going around is you know, because essentially, because if anybody gets cast in in this fucking Episode Nine movie, the first thing they say is it's it's one of Ray's parents. So. One of the big rumors is that Matt Smith is going to be Ray's father. Along with uh, Felicity. What's uh, her name? Carrie Russell. Carrie Russell. Yeah, being Ray's mother. mother. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah there's, uh, there's rumors going around. There's this guy that I kind of follow, but I don't really like, if that makes sense, on YouTube, mm-hmm. uh, named Mike Zero. Mike Zero. Yes. I believe his channel is called Zero, and it's spelled like Z-E-R-O-H. Sure it is. And um, <laughs> yeah, he posts like Star Wars videos like, several times a day like every day and i think a lot of them are just clickbaity mm-hmm. like he'll have like a five minute video basically saying like oh you know somebody tweeted this and then just speculates on it for mm-hmm. the remainder and it's nothing it's a, it's a lot of non-news but but hey not non non-news gets fucking clicks so yes uh so uh the latest rumor has it that jj abrams will in fact be retconning the whole storyline where it was revealed that race parents were nobodies right and it turns out they actually were somebody's and that Kylo was just using that to try to like tempt her to the dark side or whatever. Makes you know, sense. Like break her spirit. Um, I'm not looking forward to this movie at all. <laughs> no matter what they say or what they show at this point. I'm looking forward to just be over. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and rumor has it they're still working on the Ryan Johnson separate trilogy. Of, of course all of they this. are. And Actually, I would be okay with that. So would I. Because then it would be his, his own fucking be- world. Yes, because it'd be his own thing and he'd just be playing in it and then you could take it or leave it. But yeah, what he did with Last Jedi, I was just like, wow. And as a kind of tangential to this, um, the Red Letter Media review for Mr. Plinkett's take on The Last Jedi just got released this past week. And I haven't seen The Last Jedi after that one time I saw it in the theater. So I haven't seen any of the home box office release stuff or anything. And um, I saw some of the deleted scenes. Apparently, oh, my God, man. Like, there's some. The the Tom Hardy scene, have you seen that? Uh-uh. So Tom Hardy cameos as a stormtrooper, kind of similar to uh, uh, Craig. Um, Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig. And his interaction is with Finn. Where he says, "Look at you! Didn't take you uh, for Captain material." Oh, uh, and he okay. smacks his ass, yeah, and it does like a like a hee or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, "Whoa, that's horrible!" And then there's a scene where uh, uh, the girl that plays uh, Rose, so Kelly Tran, Marie Tran, yeah, something like that. Um, she's like basically being like chastised or something by um, Donald Gleason, uh-huh. and she bites his hand. And it is the most cartoony, ridiculous, like, reaction to having your hand bitten. And He's supposed to be. Uh, anyway, all right. Well, it's just so oddly, like, wanting to be comedic. And it just fails at every level. And, I mean, what they left in the movie was bad enough. There was some really weird stuff with, like, um, Ray is at that 
planet with uh, Luke mm-hmm. and those weird fish nuns. Right. More creatures, and they uh, have the they're partying, the partying with the, the yeah, yeah. And so she whips out the lightsaber and starts waving it around like a, like a glow stick or something, and they all like cheer and keep dancing. I'm like, what is happening here? Like this is just like if he wanted to go in and just break something, he totally did it. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Uh, the <laughs> other, just to get back to Matt Smith, the <laughs> other rumor that I heard or saw was that what's the blue skin general guy? Oh, Admiral Thrawn. Thrawn. Okay, Jam- Admiral. Ad- Admiral. Uh, I guess the the other rumor is that he's he could a Grand be, Admiral, technically, but yeah, he'd be playing that character. That would be kind of awesome. Um, I'm I, not. Haven't s- I heard a lot of people wanting uh, fucking Magneto to play him though? Oh, Fassbender. Fassbender. Yeah, Michael Fassbender. Yeah, I could see that too. But honestly, like the best person to have played that character, in my opinion, would have been Matt Mickelson. But mm-hmm. he's already played Ray's. Uh, not Ray. Uh, Kylo. No. Nope. Jen Urso? Urso? Jen Urso. Yeah. Played her dad, um, so he's already been in there. I mean, there's no reason why he couldn't come back as a different character, but whatever. Especially a blue-skinned character? Blue-skinned, yeah. Slightly different haircut, but... um, I mean, that's a really... That's probably the biggest fan favorite besides Boba Fett in, like, the Star Wars... uh, Thrall? Yeah. Thrall is? Oh. Yeah, like the legendary canon. And, and I assume he's a he's a Empire guy. Yeah, he's uh, he's Grand Admiral. Um, it's kind of interesting because he is like the only known like prominent alien character in the Empire's like ranks. Oh, okay. And there's a lot of backstory for that. It turns out that the Emperor was actually very, very racist and misogynist, which is why in the Empire there was no women officers and no uh, alien, alien officers they were all and, and that was to prove like basically a testament to his skill and his intelligence is that he was able to get that far so space hitler yeah basically <laughs> so i mean he's an interesting character he's pretty awesome since they redid the the let the canon now his only uh appearances have been in rebels and i think a little bit in clone wars mm. um so we've yet to see what this newer updated version of of Thrawn, not Thrall, Thrawn could be. But that would be awesome if they brought him as that character because that means that he would be like absolutely official now and we could actually see a, a live action version of him, which is something a lot of people have wanted for, well, decades technically. All right. Uh, I, I'm excited. I, I'm, a, I'm a big 11th doctor fan so uh let's see what see what it is that he brings to the to the role brings to the movie um let's get talking about the episode so episode seven uh of electric dreams is also or for us was also electric episode seven for for them for bbc oh no wonder i was having trouble figuring if that was the right one i was like <laughs> it can't be this one but that's i swear that's the one i saw the exact same one um so this episode, to me, I don't know if you ever watched it, but back in 2001, there was a Vincent D'Onofrio movie that also had uh, Madeline Kahn, no, Madeline Stowe and Gary Sinise in it, and it was called Imposter, which is also a uh, Philip K. Dick story, um, I guess, based off the imposter, where you don't know who it is that's been infected with, uh, or been infected or been replaced by an alien. Did you ever see this movie? I did not. I've heard of it. Yeah, I, I, I remember watching it. So originally a 30-minute portion of an anthology film of Imposters was retooled into a full-length feature film based on Philip K. Dick's short story of the same name. It follows the lead character Spencer Oldham uh, quest to regain his identity after being suspected as an alien android in a future Earth at an 
at war with aliens that use the androids as bombs to destroy their enemies' homeworld. Oh, I didn't remember that it was they were androids. <laughs> uh, I had I, I didn't remember that at all. And replicants. Uh, uh, yeah. So then you kind of got the the replicants in there too. Um, in this one, essentially the kid's father, played by Greg Kinnear, of uh, uh, gets replaced. Almost at the beginning of the episode, like really close to the beginning. Yeah, very early on. Which uh, he happens to catch a glimpse of when it's happening, and it's—I still don't quite understand what the aliens' motives are, what the plan is. I guess. Well, when he's talking to his son, uh, his name's Charlie in the episode, when they're playing like catch or something, right? He kind of goes off on a monologue about like survival. Like mm-hmm. they weren't sure if they would ever find another home. Um, they weren't sure if they would ever be able to continue their species. But by chance, they happened upon this planet, and they they like it very much now. Yeah. No. I. I yeah. I got that part. But like the part of the switching actual switching bodies. So like when the boy looks into the garage, you see a naked version of his father sitting there, like floating up in the air, and he's sucking something out of the the his real father and then later on in the in the episode when the boy goes to look in the garage he opens up the trash can you see the skin of his father so what exactly transpired there did he suck the insides out did so does the alien show up and then he can take on the form of the father and then he sucks the insides out and and then leaves the skin behind, the husk behind. Well, not only that, but at the end of the episode, you see that the the body was actually being controlled by like an earwig looking thing. Exactly. And then there's already the uh, another version of the boy and his mother in those pods. Yeah, their bodies are being grown. So like I don't quite body. understand <laughs> how the replacement project process works. Well, my theory, because like you said, that is very vague is that the replacement body looks like the human, is controlled by the bug, but what they take is your memories. So when you have your memories sucked out of you, you lose your bones and muscles? Well, yeah, it like sucks out. Like I guess that's part of the process. You, know? <laughs> you can't take memories without a few like organs and tissues too. Sure. But yeah, yeah, it looks like he's the like dad was basically like skinned alive or something. Like, yeah. Like his his insides are gone and it's just the outer shell. Yeah. Um, that might have been a combination of like different things all going together because this also had a very invasion of the body snatchers type thing, where, in that one. Like when you become possessed, you actually are essentially cloned. Um, you know, like they attach the the pods or whatever those things were mm-hmm. attached to you. They grow around you. A new version of you grows out of that, and now it has like your memories, but it's its own thing. And then your body just gets like eaten or processed or whatever. So I'm thinking it was something like that. Like maybe it like consumed him, sort of. Is how I. And the excess is the skin. Yeah, and it just leaves the husk, you know, because, you know, they're trying to stay low cholesterol. (laughs) Yeah, it's just like you don't eat chicken skin, right? Well, you're not supposed to, but I still eat it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can... You can gain a few pounds you're you're pretty skinny art as is so uh, uh that's the curse <laughs> um so yeah one of the things that i thought would have been great about this episode is that if instead of showing us that the father definitely was replaced by an alien is that if we would have done the whole mystery of like the boys kind of going crazy because that's how everybody else is treating the boy is like oh he's he's going he's 
kind of going crazy. Like, what what kind of weird story is this? Uh, but we saw as the audience early on that he was being his father did get replaced. So, like, we we're kind of with the boy the whole time. I think it would have been a better mystery if we would just or a better episode if we just kept with the mystery of like, did the the father get replaced or was it more of a you know the boy was half asleep and doesn't understand what he was seeing. Or, I mean, and as I mentioned before that we recorded, one of the things I liked about this episode is if you remove the sci-fi element, there's still a good story going on here. Yes. With uh, the family relations, the parents potentially getting a divorce, the husband not wanting to tell their son about it when they had the perfect opportunity to do so, and so on. So I was thinking, like, this could be a story where it turns out that as the stress, like he really knows what's happening. This is the way he's embodying it. Like his father's not his father anymore. Right. You know, like he's been taken over, but that's just how he's processing with the stress of the situation, mm-hmm. how he can relate to it. Maybe they could have said he's a big sci-fi fan and, you know, that kind of thing. Overall, I really enjoyed this episode. I felt like it was, it was, it almost felt like watching a movie, even though it was only about an hour long. Mm-hmm. It felt like watching a full movie just because it felt like it hit all the right notes. Uh, the characters were really well developed. When you meet uh, the kids' friends, they all have like really realistic interactions. Like I remember, I used to have when I was in middle school and talking about you know boobs and stuff. Mm-hmm. I was like, it felt very Stephen Kingish. It had like a yeah. I think I said that to you too. I think it had a very much a Stranger Stranger Things kind of feel to it. It had uh, uh, that that 80s sci-fi kind of feel to it. So. Yeah. Uh, I just think that the the story itself could have been handled better, but yes, I, I did enjoy this episode. Uh, I I thought Greg Kinnear was amazing. Um, I also like yeah. the the lady who plays the 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 mother, and I forget her, her last name is Enos, but I I don't remember what. I her. thought she was the lady that plays uh, Doctor Gray on Grey's Anatomy, but no, that that's not, not her. her. That's not uh, Karen Page. No, well, she was Karen Page in Daredevil. What's her name? Her, no, Meredith is her. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's Mer- Ellen Miriel Mer- Miriel Enos. Yes. Yeah. Like looks like Which Muriel, I think, but and I, I think she's also married to Alan Ruck, fucking Cameron from Oh really? Ferris Day Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I oh. think if I remember that correctly. Um, either way, she I think she's great. She was also in uh, World War Z. She played Brad Pitt's wife in that movie. Oh, that's why she looked familiar. Yeah, yeah, she was also the detective, the lead detective in The Killing. If you ever watched that show, which starred. Uh, Mr. Manson? No. Not not justified. Killing. Um with oh. uh Joel Kinneman. Oh no, I haven't seen yeah, that one. Okay. Uh either way. I think we had strong performances by both those people, which it was funny because they're both na- they're in they're both credited as being the mother and the father. They're not they aren't given actual names. However, the teacher is given a name. And I don't know if you caught that, but Mr. Dick. Mr. Dick. And when the cop says, Hey, what's the guy's name? He's like, His name's Phil. So it's Philip Dick. So, uh, you know, they were able to get in Philip K. Dick's name in the into the episode. That's what they call an Easter egg in the industry. Ah, there you go. Uh, when you started seeing like certain police officers and stuff like that, you know, like that was I think that was the biggest reveal when the the detective goes to talk to uh, the teacher that's about to jump. Who the teacher? I guess. I don't, do you feel like that teacher had saw his wife get changed, or was it like was it like in um, uh, the faculty? Like he's a alien that got taken over, but he the body wasn't quite working right for him. So the 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 alien detective told him to go ahead and jump. I felt it was more of a 
of the letter, yeah, that he had some kind of adverse reaction or his the the original host mind was maybe fighting it back. Okay. Um because he like the first time we meet him, he's very weird. Right. Um he comes in, he's staring at the board, he's talking to the class with his back to them, and he asks like the main kid character just a random question, um, which the kid answered perfectly. Right. And I was like, whoa. And that's another thing I really like. This kid was very smart. He was very smart. Uh, I mean, he like he knew his school stuff, but he also was a big baseball fan. He and definitely he, like, knew, knew all kinds of trivia. Stats, yeah. I mean, like, I want to take this guy to trivia night. <laughs> I think we'd win after that. But, um, yeah, so I, I felt like, yeah, this is showing us that there's something a little off about that guy. Early on, after the camping trip, at the beginning of the episode, the little kid sees, like, a hunter. Mm-hmm. And the hunter's just like staring at him blankly, right? Like, and and it was really offsetting. But there was no real reason to like be bothered by it. But yeah, you kind of were like mm-hmm. something's not right with this dude. Um, so yeah, I think that was what it was trying to tell us. Um, now my understanding here, I'm not sure how you interpret it, but did the detectives know that there was aliens, or were there detectives also already aliens? I think the detectives are already aliens. Like, essentially, they, they took over the cops already. Okay. Yeah. Um, obviously, the one that goes to talk to the jumper goes to talk to the teacher. He was already an alien because he's telling him to go ahead and jump. Like, just kill yourself. Uh, the one, the lady that that the boy ends up talking to, she was a, she was in cahoots with that particular detective. So, obviously, it's, I mean, you would you could say that she was already taken over. And then the cop that took her him, the kid, to her was also very blank or whatever so you i I would assume you could say that that it they're the cops are already taken over i like that they left this episode open-ended too now that's what i was going to get to you next was like so at the end (laughs) you have the the older brother of one of our of charlie's friends like step on the 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 wig earwig fucking alien thing right yeah and then they pour gasoline all over the pods that are in the middle of the forest and they light that on fire. So at least that group of pod people is dead. However, we know that the, like the cops and whoever had already been changed are still out there. And Charlie gets on his computer and says, look, and that's where the beginning of the episode kind of starts too, because he's like, my father's not a bad guy or my father wasn't a bad guy. You know, something happened to him. And he's essentially pulling a John Connor. He's like trying to get the resistance against the aliens. Yeah. You can end with a hashtag resist. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, that's that's probably my least favorite aspect of this is how they had to involve like modern social media to yeah, it. Yeah, I was gonna say, but the, I guess you can't really escape that now. No, and and you know, Black Mirror does that a lot though. Like it brings in modern social media a lot to its stories, so I can see where they're like, oh, we need to kind of do the same. But I, like, I think this one it goes about it the wrong way. Instead of instead of they could have used it better. Yeah, because other than that, you don't really see a lot of like cell phone usage in this episode right, interestingly yeah. enough yeah but yet there's and if so every other aspect about this has like the perfect uh you know who goes there or the strangers are due on like maple street kind of vibe to it right where there's that suburban paranoia going on but then you have that aspect of it and now it brings it back to like the now but in like kind of a ham-handed way a little bit mm-hmm. um but it i like that it almost leaves it open to like the potential of a sequel like this could be a feature length movie. I mean, and it is basically an invasion of the body snatchers. Right. But the great thing about those kinds of movies is you can always see it from a different point of view because not everyone's situation will be the same. 
and you know this is just the beginning of it this could all you could always see the escalation of it at some point you know the power struggle and then maybe even down the line when there's only like a few humans left that are still normal just trying to survive in the world that's mostly whatever these things are so this is like a good first chapter that can go in many directions and i like how it leaves it open like that you can kind of formulate in your own head how it's going to play out and from the tone of this episode i would say that the the humans win but you know we just never really know yeah i mean you could you definitely see that the humans in this particular episode win but going forward in that timeline like who do you how do you know who is who is an alien and who's not like you can't you can't see you can't possibly know how many people have already been changed or not so uh yeah like i love the idea of coming at it from different aspects like going back to that movie that i was talking about the uh imposter um spoilers for a almost 20 year old movie at this point but gary sinise is the officer that's investigating and chasing down what he thinks is the alien robot the whole time and then you come up to the end of the movie and you find out that gary sinise had been replaced and he didn't even know it so uh there you go. See, that actually brings me to an interesting point because as I was as I was comparing this to Invasion of the Body Snatchers and The Thing, and I thought to myself, so they seem to play with those concepts kind of interchangeably where sometimes the person is switched out completely and they're pretending to be someone else. Right. And other times they don't seem to know. They don't know that they're someone else. Yeah. And so like that kind of happens a little bit in the thing where like a couple of the people don't know that they're the thing. Like, and I'm like, how would that even happen? <laughs> I mean, the, the brain, the, the memory swapping technology is just that good. I get, I mean, they are aliens. That's true. <laughs> I mean, they made it here from another planet so already they have a leg up on the technology <laughs> department exactly i mean it kind of reminds me of uh the sixth day with uh arnold schwarzenegger you know like yeah, yeah. you never he doesn't realize until almost the end of the movie that he is the clone yeah. he thinks he's the real one so uh there you go overall good episode you know one of the better out of the the select that we've watched so far we have three more episodes to go in this season i believe yeah uh looking forward to those three and then what, what they bring. So if you want to talk to us about this episode or any of the stories that we talked about this, this week, you can get a hold of me on Twitter at, at Michipedia G E R. John is also on Twitter as I am at magic bollocks. The rest of geek elite, geek elite radio is at geek elite radio on Twitter at geek elite radio on Instagram. Facebook.com forward slash geek elite radio is our Facebook page and geek elite radio.com is our website. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the geek elite radio network. But until next time, this is the Geeks Watch on the Geekly Radio Network saying always remember to geek, geek out. out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.